Welcome in to another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. I'm Jason Ross. So glad to be here for another week. We do have more Hornet football. Thankful for that. It was quite a journey over the last few days on the Hornets' path, of course, playing in the causeway, losing the causeway, and then waiting their fate on the selection Sunday, whether or not they were going to get in. We'll discuss that today on the podcast. We also will look ahead to Saturday's matchup with North Dakota. We will look back at the causeway loss. We also will have... Uh, some special recognition for some players that did get all Big Sky honors, 11 Hornets, either first team, second team, or honorable mention. And like we said, we'll also get more perspective on North Dakota, this weekend's opponent. I will check in with Jack Michaels, the radio voice of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. That's all coming up on the podcast today. Uh, But I will start with the causeway. Let's go back. We'll kind of go in order of events here. And it was a significant couple of days for Sacramento State football. We will start with the causeway. It was the 69th annual Causeway Classic game moved up to noon. It was on TV, of course, on radio. Fans, I think, were a little bit slow to get there because of weather concerns. And weather, I think, was a factor early in the game. But look, Davis was playing in it as well. We had the absolute dump of rain that came in at halftime in early third quarter. And then by the time the game was supposed to start regularly at two, go figure. We had a rainbow out there, some nice weather. Uh, but in the end, it was UC Davis that got the win. And let's look back at how it happened. So, Uh, The Hornets won the toss, elected to defer, something they usually do. They want the ball to start the second half. So after that opening kickoff of the uh, 69th Annual Causeway Classic, Davis got the ball, and they went right down the field. And nine plays in, they were scratching on the door of a touchdown, and on the 10th play, Davis would score first. And Larrison is the QB. Here's the Wildcat play. Hornets had to be ready for this. Larrison will keep it. It's a read option. He goes low, and he's into the end zone for the game's first score. Touchdown, UC Davis, a three-yard touchdown run, and the Aggies take five minutes, and they score first. Using the running back as a quarterback adds an extra blocker that way, and UC Davis uses exactly five minutes to score a touchdown. All right, so the Hornets down 7 nothing, nothing to panic yet at that moment. Little do we know how the rest of the day would go, but on the Hornets' first possession, maybe a sign of things to come. The Hornets got a first down. They were getting closer to midfield, so on their first possession, first decision of the game to go for a fourth down, and it would come up short for Sacramento State. Well, Andy Thompson's going to go for it. Hornets are going to run it. It's Fulcher. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. Got swallowed up on that right side. It's been so good all season long. The poor spot forces a fourth down, and the Aggie defense comes up huge. Nick Eaton, Schamberger in there. And it's a turnover on downs. That's a huge play. After that, one more possession for each team. Then Davis, late in the first quarter, would extend to a two-score lead. First and goal. It's an inside handoff to Larrison. Larrison's got nothing but real estate in front of him. Touchdown, UC Davis. So the Aggies have made an early statement. They lead 13-0 on another touchdown run. Wow, the Hornets have been blitzed here early. So, 14 nothing after one. Again, a lot of football left at this point. Couple more possessions for the Hornets. And just no flow, no offensive rhythm. Really credit UC Davis' defense for that. But Sac State couldn't get the run game going, couldn't get the ball going downfield through the air. Uh, you know, A couple of passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. Just not the normal flow that we've seen from this pretty high-powered offense. Again, a lot of credit to Davis after that. So, after a couple more failed possessions for the Hornets, Davis would extend their lead yet again. 14-0. This a 40, we'll call it a 42-yarder for a 17-point lead. Snap placed down. The kick is up. And 
it is good. Wow, UC Davis has things going their way. They had three more on the board, 17-0 Aggies. So 17-0 at this point in the second quarter after the made field goal. Sacramento State then finally would move. They'd have a, a promising drive. they get all the way inside the 10. And do we mention that fourth downs would be a big deal? Here's another one. Yeah. All right, this is huge. Fourth down, Hornets are going for it. Fourth and goal from the four-yard line. It will be Conklin. He's going to go under center near the goal line here at fourth and goal. Conklin, play action, back to throw. Has Martin far side. He's open. He threw it too far. He threw it over the wrong shoulder. Martin was open. And it's incomplete. The Aggies get a huge, huge stop. Okay. Martin looked over the far shoulder. Oh. Steve turned around, and it was off the mark. Okay, well, one thing, I'm surprised that a player, an All-American candidate at the beginning of the year, was that open in the end zone. He was five yards behind the defender. Coming from the right side, he went across to the left, and no one covered him at first. The safety came over very late. He couldn't have been more open. You could have thrown the ball left-handed underhand and gotten him the ball, but instead it was thrown behind him and over the wrong shoulder. That's a and huge that is play. one of, unfortunately for Conklin, a great quarterback. That is That was just a really bad pass. So no points going into the half, down 17 nothing. finally starting to move the ball. Defense was trying to keep that score at 17. We go to the second half. That's where I mentioned earlier just the rain, just a, a deluge, just dumping down on the field. And actually, Caden Bennett started the second half. One of his first pass attempts slips through Marshall Martin's hands, intercepted by Davis. And even that early turnover didn't hurt the Hornets, they get deep into Davis territory again, and yet here's another fourth down. So fourth and uh, five, they're one of three on fourth down. Oh, my goodness. And Caden Bennett is back in. It's fourth and five at the Aggie 23-yard line. Hornets need this big time. Bennett to throw. Looks over the middle, throw it high. It's caught, and they're short of the first down. I think they're short. It was a great catch by Gibson, but he wasn't past the sticks. It's a gain of four and a half. It's a turnover on downs. So it's still 17-0. Frustration happening because the Hornets are starting to do some things, but Davis is keeping them from getting any points. Defense keeps that 17-0 lead, or deficit, I should say. They held them on four straight possessions for the Aggies. Then finally, late third down, the Hornets would get on the board. First down and 10. They're going to spot it actually at the 16-yard line. Hornets, same formation. They're going to look to do the same thing. Who's open? Bennett rolling out, looking for someone, now buys more time, throws late, open is Grover at the five, dives, he's in, touchdown Sacramento State, Caden Bennett made that play happen, he looked, he looked right, he looked back to the left, 16 yards to Grover, and the Hornets are on the board. Wow, was well, I, I finished John Gershom's book while Bennett was running around, what a great job, and then Grover ended up wide open right along the sideline. Wow, it happened. The Hornets scored, and in the third quarter. Yep. So they get on the scoreboard. It's 17-7. You head to the fourth quarter. Maybe some momentum is happening here. The defense would stop yet again a fifth straight possession. So here's the window. Here's the opportunity for Sacramento State, and they get another fourth down opportunity for the Hornets. Fifth time they're doing it. They're one of four on fourth down. That was a gain of 19 to set this up. Four left, one right, fourth and six. Aggies bringing the blitz. Bennett's got to get rid of it. Throw short. It's caught by Fulcher. They threw short oh, again. Oh, Tattersall oh. with the tackle. Fulcher oh. might be hurt after the four-yard gain. Fulcher holding his left knee. But again, the Hornets, because of the blitz, that time they had to a little bit more than the other, but that's twice on fourth down. They throw it short. 
of the first down and don't get it. So the stop there, painful, 17-7. Now you're asking the defense for a sixth straight stop. To me, the Causeway's play of the game was this one from Land Larrison. Davis 5 of 12 on third down. Hornets a dismal 1 of 10. Aggies will take their time. And they'll snap this from the 47-yard line. Play clock is at 10 as they now get to the line of scrimmage. Down to four. Now three from the gun. It's Hastings. He rolls to his right. Looks downfield. Throws short underneath to Larrison. Stops on a dime. Larrison's got the first down and more. Goes down the sideline. Runs through the Hornets. And he scores. How did that happen? 47 yards. A short dump off to land Larrison. And he does the rest. Looked like he was going to have a very short gain and go out of bounds. But instead, he ran through three Hornets without even getting knocked off stride. 24-7 at this point. Hornets would quickly score to make it 24-14. First and 10 Hornets clock running. Bennett back to throw. Looks, looks, surveys. Now rolls right. Room to run if he wants. Throws to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Sacramento State. Jared Gibson gets into the end zone. That was good from 14 yards out. And now it's 24 to 13. Nicely done there. Now you're thinking time and score. You have to try an onside kick. Hornets don't recover. Unfortunately, that man, Lan Larrison, would score his fourth touchdown, put the Aggies up 31-14, and one last opportunity to get on the board for the Hornets. Bennett back to throw again. Looks deep downfield. Sideline route wide open. Carlos Hill, 10-5. Cuts back in. Touchdown, Hornets. Well, they get that score back. That at least feels better. And Caden Bennett has thrown his third touchdown of the game. Nicely done by Sacramento State. 35 yards. It's now 31-20. So the last score there. Offense got going too little too late. Aggies win 31-21. Game ends. And I'm always honest and candid with you guys. This is the exact feeling I thought. I thought going into the game, the Hornets were in the committee. I thought they would select them. The way they played, the way they lost, I was very, very nervous. I wasn't certain they would get in. I think we were very certain, Steve and I and Danny on the broadcast, that the Aggies would get in. They also were 7-4, and four and they just beat the Hornets. So that was kind of my line of thinking at the end of the game. Over the night, on Saturday night, reading a lot of the quote-unquote experts, including Sam Herder, who we had here on the podcast last week, reading his stuff, and I read five different people that I consider, consider kind of experts in this that were doing some bracket predictions, and all five had Sacramento State in. So I was getting encouraged by that. And three of the five had Davis in. So I was a little surprised that two didn't. And then you start to read some of the logic and reasoning behind some of the people's um, thought process. And I go, okay, well, it does make sense. Look, on the only committee reveal, the Hornets were eighth, and they were five and two at that point. They went two and two since. That's not great. But are they going to drop out of the top 24? A win over Nichols, a win over Stanford, and a tough schedule in the big sky. They've been good. They've been ranked. I think they're in. But honestly, I also thought the Aggies were in. So we go to Selection Sunday. It's also the day of the senior banquet and just nerves whether or not the Sacramento State Hornets are going to get in. And I know Steve, Danny, and I talked about at the end of the broadcast on Saturday of the Causeway. It truly was the strangest feeling I've ever had. Because either the Hornets have not been worthy of being a playoff team, whether they're three and eight, two and nine, five and six, 
where you knew they weren't going, we could basically sign off on the season and you know look forward to next year or the last three years that they made the FCS playoffs. They've been a seeded team. A year ago, they were 11 and 0. I actually thought they were going to be the one seed. There was no doubt they were going to the tournament. It's just what would their seeding be? So we've known that. The game ends at the causeway, and we have these mixed feelings. Is this it? Are we saying goodbye? Is this goodbye to the seniors? Goodbye to this season? Or will they play again next week? Will they be at home? Will they be on the road? Well, that's what you have to wait for selection Sunday. And then when the uh, brackets were revealed, and as they did it, they had three big sky teams in the top eight. That made me feel good about the Hornets' chances and really the Aggies' chances. Then you see Sac State's name on the board. You realize it's a road game. You realize you're going to North Dakota. And then there were a few more teams to reveal. And I'm going to be quite honest, I was stunned. I was stunned that UC Davis didn't make it. I didn't think it had to be an either-or, Sac State versus UC Davis. And I don't know, ultimately, at the end, if it was UC Davis versus Youngstown State or another team. There were some eight-win teams that were left out. So always someone's going to be left out. I do feel badly for them in that sake. Um, I am thrilled that the Hornets made it. I think their body of work said they should have been a playoff team. Honestly, I thought the Aggies would be a playoff team. But uh, you go on and you move on and you you take that reward and now it's a new season. I don't love the way the Hornets have played the last couple of weeks, but it starts fresh this week against North Dakota. So a brand new opportunity and we'll see what they do. It's a new season. The Hornets have had the bye before. We've known that they've come up short as being a seeded team before to Austin P to South Dakota. Last year, they had to come back and beat Richmond and then ultimately lost to Incarnate Word. So it's about getting there. It's about keeping this playoff streak going and continue to build this program from Troy Taylor now to Andy Thompson as uh, they continue to to grow and um, and see what they can do. So their body of work did reward them for several things, 7-4. and four. I mean, that still is a very good season. Um, it was announced the... 2023 All Big Sky teams, the Offensive Player of the Year, Land Larison from UC Davis. I got to tell you, that guy is an absolute stud. Defensive Player of the Year went to D Lyman, Alex Gubner from Montana. Newcomer of the Year, Clifton McDowell, the quarterback from Montana. Freshman of the Year, there's a theme here, Eli Gilman from Montana. And Coach of the Year, Bobby Houck from Montana. Much like the Hornets did last year where they were sweeping those categories with Scadaboo, Marte Mapu, and Coach Troy Taylor. Now, congrats to the 11 Hornets that were honored. First-team all-conference offense, tight end Marshall Martin, offensive lineman Jackson Slater, and first-team all-conference defense, Cameron Broussard and Armand Bailey. On the second team, Jared Gibson makes it for the Hornets, and Jet Stanley on the defensive side. An honorable mention, Marcus Fulcher, Ivan Garza, and Nathan Mejia, Cal McGuff, and Dylan Janelle as well. So congratulations to the 11 Hornets on a uh, very strong season and hope a lot more football is ahead. All right, to get perspective, though, on what to expect from North Dakota, let's check in with our voice as uh, Jack Michaels, really is the voice of North Dakota, had a chance to talk to him to help us preview this game coming up Saturday, the first game out of the shoot of the FCS playoffs. Here's my conversation with Jack Michaels. The Hornets are happy they're in the postseason, fourth straight year they've made it, and they're going to see a team they've played before, used to be a Big Sky member, but now They get to face North Dakota. That's the draw for the Sacramento State Hornets. And to help get us more in tune to what to expect on Saturday, Jack Michaels, the voice, really the voice of North Dakota. Jack, can we call you the voice of all of North Dakota? I can't believe you've done North Dakota State and North Dakota. How do people treat you there? Yeah, that's I got it. I'm like Henry Kissinger. I've really got to fill those lines between the two, you know, the big rivals for goodness. Yeah, think about that. Born in Minot, North Dakota, hometown of Dale Brown, the former LSU coach, by the way. Grew up in Williston, North Dakota, 
hometown of Phil Jackson, by the way. Uh, now I'm just going to throw North Dakota stats at you. Then, you know, I've been in Fargo for 30-plus years, where I reside now, yet in the voice of University of North Dakota for the last dozen years. And I spent six years in the capital city of Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah, I guess I've been at every corner except maybe the Badlands and the deep southwest, but I've been close. I visited that. Well, we got to get you another. I mean, you've got enough jobs. Why we got to get one in that uh, that south corner, right? <laughs> and, I do the, and then maybe like a convention and visitors bureau. But they use Josh <laughs> Dumel quite a bit for that. Josh is a North Dakota guy. They use him for that. But yeah, I was. I tell you, Jason, on this game when the, when the CDs came out of uh, the FCS playoffs, I'm not going to lie to you. And I love the fact that it's obviously for for North Dakota. It's in Grand Forks, and that's great for the fans. But I remember doing games in a big sky. I miss mm-hmm. Sacktown. I miss that Crab Shack and the Seals on the dock. And <laughs> I, I was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll play at home. But I was kind of looking forward to a trip to one of my favorite places on the planet, Sacramento. Oh, well, we would have definitely welcomed you and your team. The Hornets are thankful they're in. Let me ask you about Selection Sunday. Everybody, it's different for everybody. You guys were 7-4, and four, generally 7. You're like, ah, oh, we're in. Was uh, How stressful was Selection Sunday for you? I'll tell you what was stressful was playing Illinois State and down in that game late because it was like watching a version of of yourself. And uh, UND had a lead, but they weren't separating, and Illinois State took a lead. So when you talk about where the nervousness came, it was in a final drive with about three and a half to play, and UND having it fourth down and one with their season on the line – at midfield, they convert it. They get a scramble play. They get down the goal line and score with 27 seconds left. And even that said, Illinois State's got a good kicker, so it's not like you just sewed up the game. You had to defend for three or four more downs. I'll tell you, Jace, after that, I took a deep breath, had like a double cheeseburger at Wendy's or someplace, and drove back to mine, took a deep sigh of relief going, okay. And then after that, I figured, I figured okay, seven and four, in a pretty good conference, you yes. know, in the Missouri Valley, with not really many bad losses, I guess we can put it that way, an FBS loss at Boise State and, you know, to some of the usual suspects. And then a big win against a perennial power in North Dakota State uh, where North Dakota just uh, laid the lumber to NDSU, and that's the first time in a while that's happened. I think when all the dust settled, I expected them to be in, and uh, it was just a matter of where and then all this bidding that goes on to whatever happens behind the scenes, uh, whether they're home or on the road. And I kind of felt like maybe a Big Sky team and almost felt like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to match North Dakota and a team like Sacramento State, uh, up, which would create a massive opening round game, which, of course, is what we have. Yeah, and, you know, look, your your boots on the ground, you've covered every game. For me, that's you know, jumping in here, trying to get as much info on North Dakota I see the record, I see the stats, and then I'm just trying to understand the season. I can't imagine what that was like on uh, back in mid-October when you guys, I don't think, had beat North Dakota State in something like 20 years, and you thrashed them. And then it's the next week where it's 27 nothing on the other side with Northern Iowa. What was that two-week stretch like where maybe you saw the best of North Dakota and maybe one of the games that you just couldn't quite figure out? What did that two-week span look like? Yeah, terrific question, Jace. I, I, you know, it, it was. It had been a long time. Now, the teams at North Coast State, meaning why, hadn't played, yeah, 20 years. They only played a handful of times in the in the Division One era. But but there was. You know, it's, the, the two cities are separated by 72 miles. And 
you know, one city's had a pretty good degree of success and, and must have the line like two college game days. And, you know, so it almost felt like you're the little brother that couldn't beat that team. And then when the time came, uh, the opening kickoff was returned 102 yards for a touchdown. Uh, running back Gavin Zebars ran for 156, and it was a blowout. And I mean, it's like the, the pent up fr- uh, frustrations of all those years culminated into one game in Grand Forks, and they just absolutely knocked NDSU around. And you're right. And you go on the road to Cedar Falls, Iowa, to the Unidome in Cedar Falls, which, you know, it is what it is. I mean, in the 70s, I bet it was beautiful. It just, they haven't had a lot of uh, the. Uh, want to speak well the astro turf is a little slick is it's the old turf not new turf and you know those sound like excuses northern iowa wins the toss in that game takes the ball und stops them and i'm thinking here we go three and out and then you come down you drive and then you turn the ball over and it's funny and you've seen enough football in your life where one thing happens and it seems like the the train just gets off the rail and you just quite can't get those wheels back on. You're chasing points. You know, you, you can't get back to square even. And before you know it, you're getting shut out 27 nothing. So that's what happened in the, in the span of those two weeks. And then, you know, it was, it was trying to get back to that feeling. And then UND has had to grind some out. Even at Murray State, Jace, they went down to Murray, Kentucky. First time ever there, Murray State, new into the Valley Conference. And, you know, you fly into Paducah, you bust to Murray about a half an hour, you play the game, not a lot of people there, you're leading 31 to 10, and then you kind of forget that you got to tackle. And all of a sudden, Murray State comes back and starts putting points up, and now you're in a dogfight. You know, you've got a lead, but you're not where you want. And, yeah, you put a lot of points up, but I don't even think the feeling in that in UND's mouth was good after that. So, you know, it's, it's a case where they've had to grind it out you know, I think that the, the Daytona 500, the Super Bowl, was probably that an NDSU game. And then they had to reel back in and go back to what they, they're used to doing, grind games out, defend, and, uh, and, and fight to get to seven, which they did. Last year they got to seven. They made it. They also had a big sky opponent. Difference is they went to Weber. Does that playoff experience, Jack, help in any way, shape, or form for this Saturday, or is it just this is a new matchup that's kind of irrelevant? Thanks for bringing up the taste in that mouth at Weber State and in Ogden. <laughs> Stewart State, that's another game. They probably, you know, they muffed a little punt late, hurt themselves in turnovers. Maybe we're catching a thread here where how teams win or do not win. But, yeah, I think that experience helps. I, I think that this team is is full of a lot of upperclassmen, you know, and, you know, Tommy Schuster has been around the block now a time or two. And, you know, guys like Bo Belquist, a tremendous receiver, one of the best in the in the Valley, and, and, you know, the line is a little a year older, a lot of veterans on the offensive line. So they know what it takes. They they certainly have had to, had to chew on a pride burger and lost in the postseason. And my guess is now with the, seeing their name in the postseason, making it with seven wins, that uh, that the, the veterans have kind of let the younger guys go, oh, okay, here's the deal. You don't take it for granted. And so I'm sure there was a value to that going on the road they thought they they might have had a home date last year in north dakota but you know they put a good bid in the numbers were there but had to go on the road and then kind of let one slip away against a very good weber state team so i i the overall picture here is that as you mentioned hadn't beaten north dakota state in the division one era check that off the list you know now the next one playoff win can you do that well until you do 
you know, it's going to wear you. And, 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 and with the Hornets coming to town, that's, that's not an easy, that's not an easy one to roll. So we'll see what they can do. Yeah. What would coach Schweigert see as a, as a game that fits nicely? What's, what's the good version of North Dakota when they're playing well, what are they doing? Well, a good version, special teams really helped him out this past weekend. You know, you, but every coach will tell you that, that, that all three factions are good. But, you know, this is a team that, that uses a few running backs with a veteran quarterback and a mad scientist as an offensive coordinator and a veteran offensive line. So Bubba Schwager would tell you about the fact that, that they're, you know, whether it be Gavin Zebarth or Isaiah Smith or uh, Luke Skokna uh, in the backfield, a myriad of those guys that are running between the tackles that opens up all the mad scientists that Danny Freund, the offensive coordinator, could go with. But uh, I honestly would tell you that it sounds simple, but Bubba would say that they need to tackle mm-hmm. and uh, they need to defend. They've gotten two quarterbacks, haven't put a lot down. You know, in this day and age, everybody's so mobile. But, you know, that would be one area. Uh, the defensive side, which, you know, when you run a 3-4, you know, they, they disguise areas where pressures come from. So, you know, that to make opposing quarterbacks, you know, a little nervous uh, would be a way to win it. And the special teams has really been the godsend. They've returned two kickoffs uh, for touchdowns. So, you know, we've seen, unless you unless you have a kicker that can kick touchbacks the entire game, they've done some pretty good stuff on special teams. And, you know, I mentioned the offensive side of things, but Bob is an old defensive guy, Coach Schweigert. He would, uh, he would tell you, Jason, that they're going to have to tackle, defend, and get to quarterbacks and make them nervous. The other thing that jumps off the page to me, Jack, is uh, obviously the home record undefeated there. They've got to feel comfortable. You mentioned the weekend, this last weekend, the the narrow escape with Illinois State, but staying perfect at home. How tough will it be for anybody to go in there and get a W? Well, it has become a place, you know, what are they, 26-2 and two in the, the last 28 games at the Alara Center? It is a uh, – it's an intimate – arena you know inside it's a dome type thing but it's more of a intimate dome it's not this big cavernous dome that seats twenty thousand. you know you're talking one that seats you know 10 to 13 somewhere in that area so it has become a, a home field advantage thanksgiving weekend how many students are hanging around mm-hmm. you know is that going to take its toll is, is it going to be a big crowd when it's a big crowd and the team's playing well it's i won't say impossible but it is tough to be a visitor Thanksgiving weekend, mm, we'll see. But the dome, so I would say that, that that building is probably worth, you know, three to seven points uh, for North Dakota. It's the way they've been able to, to feel comfortable and make it a home field advantage. Uh, lastly for you, Jack, I know uh, players aren't going to do this. Coaches certainly are going to do it. But fans, media, they all look, everybody looks at the bracket and they start to think, okay, if this, if that. <laughs> right. I mean, right. look, I, I know for you guys, I'm thinking, man, if they could beat the Hornets, Round two, another shot at South Dakota. I mean, there, there's got to be a lot of appeal to that if it all goes well for North Dakota. It's like you were sitting in the middle of Talk Show Village in the, in the <laughs> eastern North Dakota because I'll guarantee you the folks at Fargo are going, wait a minute. You know, we picked off Southern Illinois, dismantled them late, ranked team. We went to Northern Iowa, ranked team, and absolutely dismantled them. And we not only get an eight seed, okay, we've got Drake, with all due respect, but we're the ones that get locked into Montana State if we win in North Dakota. If, and then, Zach, if they win, they go to South Dakota, which is a good team. Uh, but you're right. North Dakota was shutting South Dakota out a couple of weeks ago in Vermilion, South Dakota, 10 to nothing. And all they needed to do was basically get a touchdown in the second half. 
and they would have won that game, and it would have changed everything. You know, who knows? Maybe you're talking about UND with a with a seed. You know, had they won that game, so oh yeah, I think you've touched on something there. As much as the players and the coaches aren't looking past anything, I guarantee you the fans, everybody else, going man, rematch with the boys in Vermilion if you, if you beat Sac State. You know, he had them down, you know, second time. Yeah, I'll guarantee you that's probably rolling through some, if fans were honest with themselves, sure. I guess is they're probably thinking that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jack, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Glad the Hornets are hooking up with North Dakota. Playoff football is always fun, and I uh, look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's a treat to have it. Next time I'm coming down, we're going to go down to the dock. I, 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 there's a, a And I, I hope I can say this on, on, on the pod. Uh, but there's a flatulating seal uh, down from the crab shack that I took a picture of years ago that he was probably wondering, why are you taking a video of me? What, what This is where I'm living. But anyway, thank, good to have you on. I miss the, the Sacramento. Next time we'll get the sack out. You can honestly say that, Jack. That's family. That's my family seal down there. If it's flatulence, you know that runs in my family. So um, thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Appreciate it, Jason. Looking forward to see you. All right, my thanks to Jack Michaels. My thanks to all of you for listening. Do want to end the podcast, though, what I did, I think, a year ago when the uh, playoffs were starting. I'll have a tease that Steve, Danny, and I will have to get us started for the radio broadcast on Saturday. Uh, I just wanted to add it here as a little pump-up, hopefully, um, to get you ready for Saturday's game. And this is what will air immediately before kickoff or before the broadcast, I should say, on Saturday. So make sure you check us out on the radio if you get a chance to watch on ESPN+. Plus. If any of you are going out to North Dakota, come by and say hi. We appreciate those that are supporting the Hornets. This could be one more game. It could be several more games. We just don't know. Either way, I'll be back next week to recap what happened and hopefully talk about more playoff football ahead. But here's how we're going to go into the uh, playoff game on Saturday with the game tees for North Dakota and Sacramento State, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Stingers Up Sac State Football Podcast. The Sacramento State Hornets season-long journey started in August in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Who knew that a season-opening win over now playoff-bound Nickel State would prove to be so important? The road continued into September, where the flip to Fulcher on the farm will live forever. Third and six. Bennett to throw. Pressure coming. Bennett avoids that. Bennett outside. Bennett throws late. It's caught by Fulcher. First down and more. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown, Hornets! What just happened? October and November had its ups and downs and all said a 7-4 and four season. And that's four straight trips to the FCS playoffs. Getting there never gets old. Winning there is the best. Fourth and 19, back to throw Udinsky. He's going to look downfield too high. Intercepted! That is your ball game. It is picked off by the Hornets, and that is going to do it. Sacramento State's going to win their first ever FCS playoff game. To keep this thing going into December, the Hornets will have to knock off North Dakota in their home building where they just don't lose. It's game one of round one of the FCS playoffs. Sacramento State at North Dakota. And it's next. Out here.